Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Sports Ethos Bulls coverage postgame show. Uh, my name is Keith Cork. I'm your host, and I'm joined, as always, by my good buddy and co-host, Mr. Trey Hill. And uh, the Bulls get a nice win uh, early today on this Sunday. Um, they beat the Portland Trail Blazers, final score uh, 130 to 116. Uh, obviously, big part of that, Trey, uh, Mr. Ayodesumu having – was it 11 assists, a new career high for him uh, in assists. Uh, big big game for him, just big game for the Bulls in general in terms of assists, just the ball is popping. Uh, not a lot of defense played in this one, but uh, got to like what we saw on the offensive end. Yeah, they were able to take care of the ball also. Um, according to Cleaning the Glass, they only turned the ball over 7.3%, which is uh, 97th percentile. And for the year. So, you know, one of the best games of the year in terms of turning the ball over points per possession. They were super high, 135 points per hundred possessions. That was 99th percentile. Not a lot of defense in this one whatsoever, but the Bulls were able to, you know, that's kind of what the Bulls are built for. They've just got so many, so many offensive weapons and they were able to utilize those tonight. And just the playmaking is what you like to see. Being able to get, you know, everyone involved, being able to not have that stagnant offense, because that's what kills you against the better teams. Yeah, definitely. And um, definitely some some better uh, control of the basketball, keep taking care of the basketball, as you say. Uh, defense still still a problem, I think. Um, you know, obviously giving up 114 points while we won uh, 116, uh, not ideal. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, the... Uh, Trailblazers still shot the ball pretty well, but a big part of that was just, again, the lack of defense, 51.8% from the field for the Trailblazers, and for the Bulls, it was 55.6% from the field. So both teams shot it well. It was an exciting game, lots of big plays, uh, you know, lots of recovery blocks and things like that, uh, big dunks, exciting dunks. So uh, lots of moments that we can point to and just say as a fan of basketball that uh, it's, it's a lot of fun to watch. But uh I wouldn't say that this victory uh, really does anything to ease my worries, Trey. Uh, I, it's a good one. I'm glad they won. But uh, I'm not going to, like, hang my hat on this because I don't think the Trailblazers are a very intimidating team. How about you? No, it's it's good to see them get this win. It's one of those they needed this just to kind of keep from hitting the panic button again. We've had some underwhelming performances lately as a team. So to to get back on track, that was good. Uh, one thing um, I'm going to ask you if you noticed, because you saw more of the game than I did, uh, the Portland Trailblazers only took 24% of their shots at the rim. Uh, did you notice that Portland didn't really take a lot of shots on the inside? Was the Bulls' interior defense better, or was that just Portland being, you know, getting open shots on the perim- perimeter and knocking down those open jumpers? So kind of like, you know, when the Bulls, when you're making open jumpers, why go inside? 
Yeah, I think uh, you know they went away from use of Nurkic, um, but I think that was because Vooch was playing pretty pretty good defense on, on Nurkic. It just Nurkic couldn't really get anything against Vooch. Um, Vooch had a good game himself. I don't want to bury that. Obviously, Vooch had 24 points, 14 rebounds. He hit that uh, New Year's resolution, but more importantly, he shot 11 and 15 from the field. Super efficient. One of two from from beyond the arc. Uh, not shooting as many threes, which I like to see. Uh, and he also threw in three assists. But yeah, I don't think they went away from Nurk. And, and honestly, if you look at the rest of the guys that were playing for them, Norm Powell, Robert Covington, CJ McCollum, Anthony Simons, Ben McLemore, uh, Trent Watford got in quite a bit. Um, these guys aren't guys that are going to score below the three-point arc. So I think it was just a, a matter of personnel uh, and, you know, what they were shooting. Uh, I don't think it was a matter of necessarily that the Bulls are playing intimidating defense, but the interior defense was much improved. Uh, guys like Javante Green were hustling over to get blocks. And uh, so, you know, and I think a part of that, too, is that uh, the Trailblazers were shooting pretty well from the outside. It was Norm Powell shot five of six from beyond the arc, uh, Covington three of four. Uh, Anthony Simons, five of ten from beyond the arc. So they were shooting it well from beyond the arc. So if they, they figured it was working, and that was what uh, kept them in the game in the first half, that's probably why they go away from it. If that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's nice to hear that Vucevic played solid defense. Nurkic is the kind of you know guy that Vucevic is going to excel against. You know, similar size. Vucevic can just use his defensive, you know, feel for the game to be in the right spots and contest things. So, yeah, I that's kind of what I I expected to hear. So, uh, the other thing, DeRozan, ten assist, was that it were, I saw his his passing in the fourth quarter a few times, but you know he wasn't getting his assists then. Was was the offense just running through DeRozan, or was Io still the point guard? Like, no, who would you Io, say the offense ran through more? Yeah, Io was definitely the more impressive of the two. I mean, if if um, you're telling me DeRozan had ten assists, and I'm looking at the box score now, it was a quiet ten assists, if I'm being honest. So, probably more off of some of those like hockey assist type deals. Um, but Io was the one that was really. Uh, using his court vision to get the offense going and, and hitting like uh, Vucevic and uh, Javante Green on some cuts and, and Zach Levine. Um, so I was, you know, impressed. And again, impressed with Io's effort uh, on the defensive end as well. He had two steals, but um, just defensively getting after it, as was, of course, Javante Green. So, um, you know, those guys were impressive uh, in spurts. Uh, again, this isn't something where I think as a team, as a team defensive unit, we were any good at all. Um, still still a lot of work to be done there. But uh, individually, there were some some good plays there. So uh, to answer your question, no, I don't think that uh, you know, DeRozan had more of a offensive load than usual or that, it, you know, any, anything different was happening on that side of the ball. I think that was just coincidental that he got those 10 assists he's been getting five four or five six assists pretty regularly so um you know at least a few of those i think i I would feel would be coincidental it's nice to hear that io's been continuing to improve on the offensive end i feel like everything he does he just gradually gets better as he just learns the nba speed of things i noticed a couple passes in the fourth quarter he was able Mm -hmm. he was able to pass tony bradley into a layup and it was just the angle at which he passed the ball kind of led Tony Bradley into spinning towards the basket into a wide open layup. And then he, he, he's just, it seems like he's evolving as a playmaker before our eyes already. Yeah. And he really, uh, realistically, um, he was 11 assistant and really only one turnover because those last two turnovers that he committed were in the fourth when the game was already in hand and maybe just lost a bit of focus. They weren't really, um, in crunch time, the game didn't matter at that point, basically. So he really was 11 to one as far as assist to turnover ratio goes. 
Uh, he ends up 11 to three in the official box score. But uh, if you're watching the game, he played even better than that. But guys, this is the Sports Ethos Chicago Bulls show. Listeners, please take a moment to go follow at Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter, the single most dominant basketball and fantasy news feed on earth. Get all your NBA news in one handy Twitter feed. It's faster than the competition and provides more analysis too. Again, that's at Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. Go follow it now. Um, but yeah, so I think, you know, Io, uh, Io did what he had to do today, which was uh, really, really great to see because, um, again, that was, was assist, but just moving the ball uh, and making sure that the cutters, you know, when a person makes a cut, they're rewarded because that's part of the problem with the Bulls offense has been the lack of movement off the basketball. And as a basketball player or somebody that has played the game before, you know, it's tough to make those cuts and make those movements without getting rewarded for them. So if you make those cuts and you almost never see the basketball, then what's my incentive to make that cut, right? So I think Io had had a concerted effort tonight, and maybe it was uh, Billy Donovan being in his ear as well, to really hit those cutters and to find, you know, exploit the things that were happening uh, based on the initial movements of the offense. And so I think Io did a great job being a facilitator in that role. Uh, he only took three shots, um, didn't need to take shots, uh, just was moving the ball, moving along to where it needed to be. Uh, he was still two or three from the field, one of one from beyond the arc. So I uh, finished with only seven points. But again, those 11 assists are what really stands out to you. Um, but yeah, uh, Trey, you did mention Tony Bradley. I wanted to bring him up as well because we haven't seen him in a while. But uh, this guy came in and uh, he was impactful pretty much the whole time that he played. He got 16 minutes. Um, shot five of seven from the floor, 71%. I mean, 10 points. I mean, we're not going to expect that from him every night. But the, what stands out is the three offensive boards. He got two of them on the fir- one of the first positions he was in where he just um, was one of the biggest people on the court and just, you know, tapped it out to the um, – like Kobe White or, or whoever was on the on the uh, uh, three-point line just to pat you know, tap it out and get us an extra possession. So that's what we need from Tony Bradley. That's what I would love to see from him in a 10 to 15 minute role. This was the best um, Tony Bradley game probably of the season. Uh, and again, you know, he's been out of the rotation. So I don't know if this is maybe just a matchup thing that he got in, or maybe, you know, because of the problems with the defense, maybe Billy Donovan thought Tony Bradley could help. Uh, but I was glad to see, uh, you know, some positive stuff from Tony Bradley today. Yeah, I was just scanning the Trailblazers box score to see who the big was that they were trying to match up with. And I don't see another big other than Nikic no. that the Trailblazers played. So it wasn't – to me, it doesn't seem like they were playing him because they needed a big body out there. Maybe he's just finally starting to get back in the rotation a little bit because Cook was just – he was the DNP coach's decision tonight. And it seems like, you know, if we had played the Blazers maybe last week, Cook would have gotten those Bradley minutes. Yeah, I'm trying to think who was even playing center at that time, but I can just remember clearly Tony Bradley tapping the the offensive rebounds out, and he was like a foot taller than everybody else on the court. So it made a lot of sense. All he had to do was basically go and in, in towards where the ball was landing and reach his big all paw, paw up there and tap it out, um, which was great to see. You know, that's that's the stuff like I said we want from him. Uh, obviously, against larger teams, he won't have that kind of success, but we need that activity on the offensive boards, even if he's not getting the boards. Being in fact impactful without even getting in the box score. At least he's hustling and forcing the other, you know, big to, to box out. Uh, maybe forcing the other big to make it, uh, you know, foul him, uh, trying to get to the rebound. Um, stuff like that. That's the kind of activity you want to see from Tony Bradley. So I thought this was a really good Tony Bradley game. Uh, and hopefully he can string a few of those together, uh, and we won't need to go out and get another, you know, backup big because this is this is our backup big. Uh, and I think I think he I think he has it in him, Trey. I don't know if you agree, but uh, I think Tony Bradley does have that in him. When he when he's at his best, he's definitely a capable backup center, and he he fits the Vooch role very well. 
And if we could get Derek Jones Jr. back, you know, he would be nice to have just to have that curveball, mm-hmm. you know, small ball five. But I, ideally, if everyone is playing at their capable levels, I think the Bulls are equipped with their backup center. I just, as you've seen, he he falls in and out of the rotation because he, you know, his play is in, you know, it fades, it comes and goes. And mm. if you can find someone who's a little more steady, I, I would understand that. But no, to answer your question, I think Tony Bradley could be the, the backup center going into the playoffs. And I, I wouldn't hate that decision. Yeah, he had some nice, um, you know, just just being in the right moment, being in the right spots on offense too. That's the other side of this. Um, and the reason he was five or seven from the field is because he 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 had dunks because he was just just in such a wide open spot and rolling correctly. Um, they were all pretty much alley oops, and so he was getting and he had nice soft hands on a couple passes also. Uh, just finding the seams that, down low where the defense wasn't catching the ball and just going up and scoring quickly before he could be challenged. And uh, so just just a good Tony Bradley game. I hope we can keep that going. Uh, Kobe White played well as well. Three of seven from the from beyond the arc. He hit his uh, New Year's resolution for me. Uh, 18 points, six assists, three rebounds, uh, five of 12 from the field. So just a, you know, kind of this is an average game, I think, for Kobe. Um, this is what we want to see. Uh, again, you know, hitting 18 points. He got 30 plus minutes. So um, that, that's an average and good Kobe White game. I'll take that. Any day of the week, Trey. Especially with just the one turnover. Six assists and one turnover. That ratio is solid for, for Kobe White. Yeah. Yeah. Um, great game for him. Another, you know, just a, a, a really good all-around game for the Bulls to kind of just get back on track. I know I said that earlier, but it that just kind of – it seems like the, the textbook Bulls game, you know, if we – you know, if we drew up the box score, this is kind of how it would turn out, at least on the offensive end. Javante Green, a uh, season-high 16 points, 6 of 9 from the field. Uh, don't bet on him doing that again, 2 of 5 from beyond the arc. He uh, drained a couple of threes. They were just leaving him wide open. Vooch was actually um, basically – basically Vooch was diving the middle, getting the ball basically a, a little bit below the free throw line. He, uh, defense was collapsing, and he was just kicking out to shooters left and right. So a lot of those threes that were made tonight were off of that action. So Zach Levine got three threes. Uh, Io got a three off of that. I believe Kobe got a three or two off of that. And then um, Javante got both of his threes off of that, which is what he's going to shoot. He's going to get that catch and shoot three. Uh, we're going to expect him to hit it at about a 40% clip, which is what he did today. Uh, probably a little below that, but we'll take two for five for sure. So uh, congratulations to Javante Green. Wouldn't count that happening again, that kind of con- contribution. But speaking of Javante Green, he did have to exit the game uh, in the fourth, I believe it was. And I haven't, uh, I was trying to frantically search Twitter as we were talking and starting up here, Trey, and I haven't seen what's wrong with him just yet. I haven't seen any updates just yet. Um, according to reports, he was laughing on the sidelines. Oh, here's a report from four minutes ago from Rob Schaefer. Uh, Billy Donovan said he thinks Javante Green got hit in the stomach. Green didn't sub back in, but Donovan added he thinks he could have nothing to do with the groin strain he suffered or, or he returned from. So uh, that's good news. Uh, I wasn't sure what he was grabbing. It looked like his, he was grabbing his abdomen to me, Trey, but I wasn't exactly sure. Um, but it looks like he's probably just fine. It was just a precaution that it took him out of the game. So that's good. We don't we don't want to lose that guy again. Right. If nothing else, you know, maybe maybe he, you know, got hit and got the wind knocked out of him. He exited the game for a minute just to catch his breath. And then when you see the score at that point and you see how the Bulls are playing, what's the point of, you know, putting him back in, especially when he's he's coming off that minutes restriction? He's still getting, you know, knocking the rust off. So it's nice to hear officially that this isn't any sort of setback. Yeah, we really, 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 really can't afford to lose uh, Javante Green at all. Um, 
But hey, what we can afford to do is tell you guys about the brand new daily fantasy partner at Sports Ethos, Thrive Fantasy. Prop up with Thrive Fantasy on their mobile app or at thrivefantasy.com. Use code ethos when you sign up to get 100% deposit match bonus and your first deposit up to 100 bucks plus either two or four free game tickets to play. Pick player props on the biggest names playing every night. Score points when your props hit, and the player with the most points wins a share of the nightly prize money. And check out our Sports Ethos DFS team or podcast for advice on winners. Again, that code is ethos over at thrivefantasy.com. And guys, if you go to my uh, profile, I'm at Keith on Twitter. If you go there, you can actually find a sign-up link there that you can click, and it takes care of it right there for you. It takes it right to the page you need to be be at, and uh, we'll be all good to go. But, um, but yeah, Trey, uh, so Nikola Vucevic, I, I actually had one thought that I did want to discuss with you uh, while we're here, which will be good, uh, a good little conversation piece here. Would you rather have Nikola Vucevic on this, on this Chicago Bulls basketball team or – would you rather have Yusuf Nurkic? Vucevic, all day. The <clears throat> His playmaking is, I think it, it really helps this offense breathe. You mentioned earlier how Vucevic, the action was getting the ball to Vucevic below the free throw line. That forces the defense to collapse. And then Vucevic's, abil- Vucevic's ability to find the guy, to know where to pass the ball and to hit that guy with a pass that's a good enough pass that they can catch the ball and shoot it, or they can catch the ball and immediately pass it to the next guy. Um, You know, making passes that are passes you can do something with is a skill that not every big guy has. And I I don't know if Nurkic has that, but I know that Vucevic's playmaking fits in with this team. And I also know that his three-point shooting, I know we don't want him shooting as many threes, but the fact that he is that threat from out there and that defenses have to respect him from out there, that – that makes a big difference in terms of just stretching the floor for guys like DeMar DeRozan because DeMar's not a three-point threat. So ha- being able to have everyone else on the court be a threat around DeMar, just that's what frees up that mid-range for him. I don't disagree with you. I uh, I, I would agree with you here. Um, I think mainly the two things that, that Vucevic has going for from our A, durability. Uh, Nurkic is just constantly injured uh, for whatever reason, one way or another. And then B, uh, I would say, I would just kind of term it as touch, which is uh, what you're talking about a little bit there with, you know, being able to uh, get the ball and then get rid of it quickly and find, you know, people that uh, are in positions to score. I think Vooch, I think Vooch excels at that uh, much better than, than Nurkic does. But when I was watching tonight, what made me think of this and, and bring up this question was I was watching Nurkic set these screens and he's sixth in, the, in screen assists on the season. Um, and Vucevic is right behind him, just a, a step behind him there on those rankings. I think he's seventh or, or eighth or something like that. And his screen assist points, Nurkic is fourth and Vuce is eighth. So, uh, but those screens, those Nurkic screens are just getting CJ McCollum and, and Norm Powell such easy looks because they are just brutal, brutal screens. And the first first quarter to second quarter, um, that was the reason that the Bulls were kind of struggling to defend because the Bulls tonight – or today, I'm sorry, uh, were actually attempting to do something a little bit different with the pick-and-roll defense, Trey. They were actually um, trying to get that point-of-attack defense to respond a little faster on that pick-and-roll action and to jump, basically jump the gun, right? They were trying to you know, basically get out there quicker and force the ball handler to you know go a certain way. Uh, and that just didn't – it didn't work because Nurkic just set such fantastic screens that it was just really difficult – um, for that guard to get to where they wanted to get to to play defense uh, for the Bulls. So uh, that's what made me think about them. And then I looked a little bit more. And Nurkic, I mean, he's 27 years old, Nurkic is. Vooch is 30 years old. So he's got he's got a little bit of, of youth on on, on Vucevic. 
And Nurk, the best thing of this is that Nurk is only making 12 million this season. And Vucevic is obviously making 24 million. He's making half of what, what Vuce is making. So you could theoretically, Trey, let me let me propose this to you. If you were to get a trade of Vooch for a Nurkic and uh, Covington, Robert Covington, or a Larry Nance, so Covington or or Larry Nance and Nurkic for Vucevic, would you do that? I still don't think I would. I think mm-hmm. that playmaking and that three-point ability to stretch the floor is just too important to give up. Um, Nurkic does set better screens. He's one of you know the elite screen setters in the league. But you mentioned that Vooch isn't too far behind him when it comes to screen mm-hmm. assist points. And, and in terms of he might not set quite as brutal screens, but he is very effective at making contact and then either rolling with a purpose or, you know, popping out and making himself available and forcing the defense to respect that because he has that three point, you know, ability. So to me, as, as much as it wouldn't hurt to have someone like a Nurkic or a Steven Adams type who just, you know, they're concrete walls when they set screens. I, I, I value the playmaking more. Yeah, I don't, uh, I think, in a vacuum, because, you know, you, you got to say things like it's either in a vacuum or if you take all, everything into account, I think in a vacuum, um, yeah, I think Vooch is, is the better player. I don't think there's really any way to deny that. But if you're taking into account age, contract, I think it's intriguing. I think it's intriguing to say the least, but um, I don't know. I think ultimately I think I'm with you. I think I would. I don't know if I would actually pull the trigger on something like that. Um, but Robert Covington, speaking of this guy, you know, this is one of my top guys at the Bulls. If you haven't listened to our trade episode, uh, go listen to it now, the trade deadline special that we just did with Stephen Bagel. One of my guys that I'm hoping the Bulls are looking at, hopefully in the, in the buyout market, uh, or if they do trade for him, they don't go up anything of real value. Um, but if they do get him, I, this is he, he played the role that I'm you know envisioning him playing on the Bulls tonight to a T. Um, very active on the defensive end, leading the break. Obviously, he shot it well for me on the arc. You know, that's that's always a bonus with him. He doesn't necessarily do that every single game. Uh, but his defense was uh, it was noticeable. And it's a bad defensive team in general, the Portland Trailblazers. But if I take Robert Cummington and put him on this Bulls squad, um, I think that improves our defensive inefficiencies of a whole ton Trey. So I think, uh, and I know, I know this guy, you know, a lot of people think he doesn't have a lot left in the tank. Uh, and I get that. Um, but I think he's only 30 if I recall correctly. So he's not exactly like old. Um, and I, I think he would still bring something to the table, Trey. I know you're not as high on him. No, I'm not. I would definitely rather bring in Larry Nance jr. If I was bringing in someone from the trailblazers, but to me, it's it's really just about waiting until Caruso comes back, until Lonzo comes back. I don't I don't think Covington or Nance, for that matter, if we if we don't have the guys that we expect to have come playoff time, if we don't have them, it doesn't matter if the Bulls add Larry Nance. Now he's not going to make the difference against the Nets or the Bucks come playoff time to me, or the Heat. I don't want to disrespect the Heat. I, I think they are still first in the conference. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Heat are playing really well. Um, easy to look over those guys because <laughs> it's not something we expected, but uh, but they are playing very well. Uh, and it is something that the Bulls have to be aware of for sure. Um, so a couple things before the game started, I was looking at on Twitter, uh, Trey, uh, 
we had some comments from from Coach Billy Donovan on Vooch. Uh, Billy Donovan was referencing how Nick Nikola Vucevic uh, has been asked to adjust more than any other player on the Bulls this season. And here's a direct quote from Billy: "Vooch has sacrificed a lot for our team. He's finding his way." So I, I still think even you know we're talking about Vooch and we're talking about a Nurkic or, or or whatever swap or anything like that. Uh, we're talking about just Vooch's fit with the team. I still think that. We haven't seen the apex of what this team can be, Trey. And I think that's pretty reasonable to say because these three guys just came together this past offseason. They've only been together, what, 45, 6, 7, 8 games, however many games are into the season now. Um, I mean, I, I think the best is yet to come. What do you think? Oh, 100%. The best is yet to come. The, the team was just starting to get into rhythm, and – they were able to have that hype, you know, that conference finalist type that we were getting up until the injuries hit because they were starting to hit that group. Vooch was finding his role with DeMar and Zach. And, you know, everything else was starting to fall into place. Patrick Williams was hurt because he was starting to find his place. And he was, you know, it was a catch, an aggressive one dribble. He was going up to dunk on Mitchell Robinson, one of the better mm-hmm. rim protectors in the league, and he he was going to finish that. That's why he he was flagrantly fouled, and you know is now out. Mm-hmm. But to me, it I don't know that we're going to even get to see this team hit their apex until next year, because even once the the players come back, they're going to have to get back in game shape. They're going to have to try and get that chemistry back, and you're not you're just not going to have the time, the practice time. To, kind of, to find all those things before the playoffs. So to me, it's as much as I, I've enjoyed this regular season and this team, I'm already kind of more excited for next year than this year. Um, so a couple other Bulls notes here. Zach Levine uh, became, he climbed the list, the franchise uh uh, record list today, Trey. Uh, 665 made three-pointers as a bully past Scottie Pippen. He is now third all-time in franchise history behind Kirk Heinrich and Ben Gordon. Kirk Heinrich sitting at 1,049 three-pointers. 1,049, which is almost almost twice as many as Zach Levine. But Kirk was with the uh, – I was trying to count it as we were talking there. Kirk, Kirk was uh, with the Bulls for 11 seasons, I believe. Uh, and Zach's only been with the Bulls for one, two, three, four, five seasons now. So uh, a little less than half the time. It, it That's actually quite a few three-pointers, Trey. Uh, but I, I, here's the question. Uh, do you think that Zach Levine beats that record? So I'm guessing that's a two-part question, which is, do you think Zach Levine extends with the Bulls and stays long enough with the Bulls to beat that record? Yeah, he's definitely going to beat that record. Shout out to Buzz on Tap for the Kirk Heinrich reference to Captain Kirk. But no, I, that's definitely going to be Zach's record going forward. I think that's uh, every team is going to have their three point record broken. And, you know, by someone, every team is going to have it by someone who's playing in this decade when it's all said and done, just from how many more threes teams are shooting per game. But it, it's cool to see, you know, guys like Ben Gordon, Scottie Pippen, Kirk Heinrich getting, getting, you know, seeing their names pop up pop up on a list and getting to reminisce about them a little bit. Yeah. I obviously, uh, you know, I'm a big captain Kirk fan too. And, uh, part of me wants to see that record stick. Uh, but I think a larger part of me wants to see Zach Levine break it. Cause I, th- I do think that Zach's the better player. Uh, and if he does break it, that means he stays with the bulls for at least probably three or four more seasons. And, uh, I- I'm all for that, man. I-, I would like to see him in a bulls uniform 
for an extended period of time. So let's get that done. Last note, last bulls note before bulls note before we drop here, Trey. Uh, Marco Samanovic has been playing for the Winnie City Bulls. I'm hoping to get somebody in that organization to talk talk to us soon. So please, uh, you know, stick around and, and hope for that. But uh, Marco's last two games. 22 points, nine rebounds, six assists, and 13 points and 16 rebounds. G League, Windy City Bulls, not super duper impressive, but uh, do you think this guy maybe plays in, in on our team next year? Or um, are you high on Marco yet? I mean, we haven't seen him play except for garbage time, basically. Right, we haven't seen him play garbage time. Um, I would like to see him in the Cook role next year. Is is kind of my my high end hopes for for Marco. If if everything goes according to plan, and you know I'm just as high as I can be on him. That's that's what I think. If he can be that that second backup big and someone that we can depend on to come in to stretch the floor a little bit. You know, if we do need say we need a bit, we have a situation where we need a big guy who can stretch the floor as our backup. It would be nice to have one because right now that's just not something the Bulls have to offer. So. If you have a bench lineup and the shoot, you know, the spacing isn't great for DeMar when he's, you know, out there trying to carry a bench unit, that defense can just kind of, you know, be a step closer to him. They can crowd that mid range a little bit more. So I would, I would hope high end he's, he's our second backup. What, what about you? I know you, you're a, a Marco guy. Uh, yeah, I was in the summer league. Um, in the summer league, I loved what I saw out of his interior passing. So uh, I thought he played really well there. I was expecting him to, I wouldn't say be the backup center, but definitely be a solid third string center for us. And so I'm a little disappointed that he hasn't really gotten a real shot yet this season. Um, but you know, I think, I think by next year he could, as you say, fill that spot for us. Which you know, that's basically what Tyler Cook is. He's basically our, our third string center. But it's kind of weird because sometimes Tony Bradley's not getting the rotation. So it's like, is Tony Bradley a third string center? Is Tyler Cook a third string center? So, um, you know, it, it just feels like we don't have a backup center. And I, I'm not saying that Marco can step in and fill that role right away right now. I think he's still very raw um, from what I have seen in those garbage minutes that he has played. Um, not necessarily blowing me out of the water or, or begging me to or, or having me outraged that these guys aren't playing. Uh, Marco Samanovic, but I'm glad to see him tearing it up in the G League, uh, and I hope he continues to do that because that will earn him a spot, uh, you know, hopefully some minutes with the big team at some point. But I'd love to get someone on from the Winnie City Bulls to talk about Tyler Cook, to talk about Marco Samanovic, to talk about Demondats, and talk about Malcolm Hill, um, Daniel Toru, you know, some of these guys that are borderline uh, Bulls players, uh, just to see what their thoughts are on these guys, especially Marco. I think Marco would probably be the prime guy I'd want to ask about. How about you? Yeah, it's definitely Marco, especially yeah. after, you know, after AK had success drafting Jokic late in the first round. I know Marco's not going to be a Jokic-style success story, but just he he's shown to have a knack for drafting late in the round, getting Jokic, getting a guy like I, you know, Io late in the, well, you know, what, 38th pick, I think it yeah. was? Second round, yeah, um, Io, incredible, incredible value pick there. Right, and so I, Mark. Marco, to me, that's the guy that I would want to ask about. Because not only is he, I think, the the blue chipper that's down there, but he also fits the position of need. You know, um, Dotson's great, but it's not like we need another guard on the team. Yeah, you're, you're right about that. 
Uh, that's going to do it for us, guys. A big, a nice win here for the uh, Chicago Bulls. The Bulls are now sitting, uh, let me refresh this to make sure it's up to date. I think uh, half a game, yep, behind the Miami Heat. They are in second place. And they're a full game ahead of the Sixers, Cavs, and the Bucks, who are all a game and a half behind the Heat as well. So uh, but that's going to do us do it for us. Until next time, we're hoping to get uh, our magic guest time, Mr. Stephen Cameron, again, to discuss uh, our little rematch here. Uh, I'm thinking the Bulls are going to take it to the Magic uh, on Monday, but uh, or is it Tuesday? I think it's Tuesday we're playing them. Uh, but we'll, we'll see. We're trying to get him on to talk about that, but uh, if we don't, uh, that's okay. We'll, we'll be on to recap the game, obviously. Uh, before we do go, with that, be, before we sign off, I want to also remind you guys to all use the coupon code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com for 20% off your order and free shipping. And also check out our pals at mybookie.ag. Use code HOOPBALL on the third page of sign up to unlock deposit match bonuses there as well. But uh, until next time, I am Keith. You can find me on Twitter at, at Keith And Trey, where can the people find you? On Twitter at Final Finally. And please follow the show, guys, at Ethos Bulls. And we're going to catch you in the next one. Ooh.